Lord, we believe that, my Lord, my love is crucified. And as we stand and gaze at that cross, may we indeed be immersed in that healing stream, that healing stream of love, that healing stream of power, that healing stream that sets us free, because on the cross you died to release it. So bless us now, take my words and use them to your glory. In Jesus' name, Amen. A few weeks ago I was asked to go down to Cheltenham and speak at an Anglican church there about the Ministry of Healing. And uh, I found it quite helpful clarifying my thoughts in writing down some notes as to stuff that uh, I've done over the years, and also looking at uh, Malcolm White's notes and pinching some of that as well. Uh, And I thought that uh, I might share it with you tonight. To be honest, when we come to these healing services, it's always quite difficult working out what you're going to say. I've now given 97 talks on healing on Premier Radio, and uh, preached here on healing um, six times a year for 12 and a half years. And uh, there comes, you you look around and think, what can I get that's new? But as I thought about what to do, I thought it would be very helpful perhaps to go back to do, if you like, a revision course uh, about healing. When I went to Cheltenham, I was particularly asked to speak about healing in the Gospels. And so I'll share with you tonight uh, the essence of what I said there in trying to launch a healing ministry in that particular church. And if we think about the gospel stories, if we sit and read the gospels, one of the things that will strike us is the large number of healing incidents that are in the gospel stories. In fact, about one-fifth of the gospels are made up of the healing works of Jesus. There are 26 cases of individual healing and 10 cases of multiple healing, ranging from what's called a few through to a great multitude. And the reasons that Jesus healed was not just one reason, there was several different reasons. I can't pick them all up tonight, but I would like to pick up um, just a few of them and see what we learn from them. And first of all, in the context in which we operate, is that Jesus healed because health and wholeness is God's will and God's purpose for us. In the Garden of Eden, however we think about it or understand it, we see a world where there was no sickness, no pain, no relational breakdown, no social breakdown. Out of the freedom that God gave humanity, people were created in his own image and not as robots. But that freedom that God has given us has sometimes, in some way, been twisted and corrupted. And thus illness and suffering and the pain of personal and social breakdown in relationships has entered in. This has not been the result of individual personal sin. So if we're unwell, it's not because we have sinned. We are rather living in a situation 
where the sum total of what happens when humanity has chosen to live without God ends up with a broken world. And when Jesus came, which is what this Lent season is all about, the focus of his coming, when Jesus came, he broke that cycle of sin and disobedience because he lived the perfect life of love. And time and again in his acts of healing, Jesus modelled the kingdom of God to us. A kingdom where physical and mental health is restored, where broken relationships are healed, and where a society is created where everybody looks out for each other. Where the spectre of death as a tragic end is banished. And a preview of that time is pictured at the end of the New Testament, in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 4, where we read, There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain. And so we see that at the beginning and at the end of Scripture, we're clearly shown God's plan and purpose for humanity. And the coming of Jesus to bring in this kingdom of God gives us a foretaste of what is to be. Suffering was never God's will and purpose for us. And when we see Jesus, if you like, dragging the kingdom of God down here on earth and operating within that kingdom of God in his ministry of healing. We, as God's people, need to line ourselves up with the plan and the purpose of God's will for us, which is health. And then secondly, the healing works of Jesus were signs of his compassion. That passage in Luke 7 we had read to us of the weeping widow of Nain grieving the death of her only son. And we read in the New International Version, verse 13, his heart went out to her. And in some of the older translations, he had compassion on her. And out of that compassion the son of the widow of name was raised from the dead. And this compassion of Jesus was not just for particular individuals in particular situations. In Matthew 14 and verse 14, Jesus has tried to get away from the crowds by sailing across the lake. But they follow him and we read, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As Christian people, surely we must be touched by the suffering and ill health and dysfunctional relationships that we see all around us, which we encounter in life. And the response of Jesus was not just to feel compassion, it was to feel compassion and then to do something, to act in a compassionate way in response. And this ministry of healing gives a body and a reality to the compassion that we feel in our hearts as Christian people. And then thirdly, healing directs attention to Jesus. 
In Mark's Gospel, there's an emphasis on Jesus asking those who are healed to keep it to themselves. We call it the messianic secret. But elsewhere in the other Gospels, and incidentally sometimes in Mark's Gospel, where the person healed takes no notice of Jesus, they're so thrilled with their healing that they go around and tell everybody, in the other Gospels, and sometimes in Mark's Gospel, healing draws attention to the good news message of Jesus. The classic example of that is the man who is let down through the roof by his four friends. We find the story in Luke chapter 5 and verses 17 to 26. And if you remember, when he's let down, Jesus goes up to him and Jesus says to him, Son, your friend, your sins are forgiven. Jesus knew that the primary need of this man was that his sins should be forgiven, that he should be brought back into a living relationship with God. But the crowd mutter. Who's this man to forgive sin? And so to demonstrate the reality of his promise, Jesus says in verse 24, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat, and go home. Healing is a sign of the kingdom of God coming in Jesus. And healing challenges people regarding their faith. I've shared the example before here, but it's a good example, so I share it again. When I was in St Albans, a lady was brought along by her neighbour to one of our healing services. She came forward with a supportive collar, one of those plastic collars round her neck. And we prayed for her healing. The next day she rang me up saying that she'd been healed of vertigo and of high blood pressure and that she had no need to wear the collar. Well, I told her what we always say in our ministry here, carry on taking the tablets, carry on wearing the collar until you've been to the doctor and got yourself checked. And she did. And he was most surprised. He confirmed her healing and said it was okay for her to stop wearing the um, collar. She, she got this vertigo, this horrible thing, and she'd been able to get up that morning. That was what had shown her that she was healed. And he confirmed her healing. Now, in fact, that lady had not asked God for healing. I didn't know that, but I prayed with her. She'd not asked God for healing of any of her illnesses. What she had done was ask God for forgiveness for something that had happened in her past. And as she received the forgiveness, she also received the healing. The mind can have serious effects on the body. And out of that experience of that service, she started to come to church and she eventually was confirmed as a church member. Our healing ministry makes the reality of faith plain and draws people to Jesus. And then fourth, healing glorifies God. Time and again, and not at all surprisingly, when people are healed, they give glory to God. Of course they give glory to God. If you're healed tonight, you'll give glory to God. Of course you will. 
A balanced healing ministry never, ever glorifies the person who is praying or the church that's offering the ministry. Jesus is the healer as we pray with people. And as we pray with people and the Lord touches them, it is the same Jesus who's at work, who was at work 2,000 years ago. So to sum up, why not healing in the name of Jesus in the 21st century? If I'd had more time, I could have worked my way through the book of Acts and the various epistles, showing the prominence healing had in the life of the early church. If I'd had time, we could have looked at church history and seen how through two millennia, this ministry of healing has survived often because of the emphasis in our Roman Catholic Church. Sometimes it's practiced nearly extinguished, at other times revived quite strongly, as in the charismatic movement in the 60s and 70s. Today, in many churches, this ministry is not as prominent as it was some 30, 40 years ago, when I first became interested in it. And I wonder if part of the reason for that is that some of the American TV healers have brought the ministry into disrepute by their demands for money and by their extravagant claims of miracle, by their manipulation of their healing meetings. But that should not put us off, either offering this ministry, as this church does, or asking for this ministry, as you might do later in this service. For the command of Jesus is clear. When in Luke chapter 9 Jesus sent out the twelve, we read in verse 1, he gave them power and authority to drive out demons and heal diseases. And this was an effective ministry, because we read later in verse 6, so they went from village to village, preaching the gospel and healing people everywhere. And the command of Jesus is equally clear as he commissions the 72 disciples. Luke 10 and verse 9, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. Now sometimes people feel that those healing have got to have some special gift. And indeed, some people do seem to be especially gifted, and healing is listed as one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But healing is the command of Jesus to all of us. Here we have a healing team who are specially trained and commissioned. But if you're with a friend who's unwell, there's nothing to stop you just saying to them, would you like me to pray with you? And holding their hand or putting your hand on their head and praying that they might know the healing touch of Jesus Christ. This healing can be of our emotions, bodies, spirits, minds or relationships. It finds its focus in a service such as the service tonight. But it's also expressed in pastoral ministry where a conversation or a phone call or sharing a coffee with somebody, can be a real healing act. It's expressed in long-term counselling, which is sometimes needed, 
where skilled care brings matters to the surface in order that they can be brought to God. It's expressed through the National Health Service as we work alongside them and with medicine and with surgical intervention, healing comes. And of course it's expressed in the great healing sacrament that we're to share soon, the ministry that comes through Holy Communion, where in a very special way Jesus meets us at our point of need. It's not an alternative to medicine. Here, as we pray with people, we often pray and then say that they might do well to visit the doctor this week because of what they've told us. We pray sometimes for those facing an operation that they may face it with confidence. Same for a course of treatment. We pray that it might be successful and that they might have that positive approach which so helps healing. And of course healing is not the same as finding a cure. Malcolm White here this evening gives the example of the person who's been bereaved. You cannot be cured of bereavement, but you can find some measure of healing in it. And of course healing is always temporary. In the end, all healing will fail, and we will each one of us die. But death is the greatest healing of all. And often in this ministry, there's no cure given by God, but there is the great gift of being able to face death in peace. So as we offer healing in this church, it's important that we ourselves are a healing community, a place where all are cared for and valued and accepted. And as we offer healing, we never tell God what to do. Sometimes you go to healing meetings and people are shouting at those being healed as if God might be thought to be deaf and could not hear properly what they're saying. We might sometimes see dramatic healing. It happens. Happens fairly regularly. But more often, prayer brings God's healing power to begin to flow. To begin to flow into our bodies, into our minds, into our memories, into our relationships, into our spirit. And that's an ongoing process. So it's entirely appropriate that some of you have been coming and asking for healing for years. That's fine. You see, Jesus is not just some historical figure in the Bible. Jesus is not just the source of a lifestyle to follow. By the work of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is active and alive. We cannot control God or manipulate God or tell God what to do. But if tonight you seek the healing touch of Jesus made real in the power and the presence and the love of the Holy Spirit, you will be amazed at what God can do. Thanks be to him. Amen.